You know, there's some good quarterbacks playing this week. And so every time, you know, every game there's a comparison about this guy versus this guy versus this guy and stats like who's, you know, in the first three years of their career, who's got so many yards and so many touchdowns. And so we're all trying to figure out who the greatest of all time is, right? And so, you know, some people think that it's Tom Brady, and so we'll see. Uh, but that's kind of the weekend we're in. You know, we're trying to figure out who's got the glory, really. Yeah. So we're going to day today. The passage is Psalm uh, 96, and this speaks about God's glory and the impact that it should have on us individually and as a church. Now, Psalm 96 was um, the history behind this. Uh, David gave this psalm to the, to the worship leader um, right after they had established his throne, his rule in Jerusalem. He had been king for seven years or so. He'd been in a place called Hebron. And so they had finally moved up to Jerusalem. They got it set. They took, had taken the Ark of the Covenant and they had got it moved to Jerusalem. And so now it was a pivotal time in the, the life of the nation of Israel. It was, I think, what David was wanting them to do is like, hey, we're moving forward Okay, we've got things set up. Now let's go forward. And what he wanted to do is to encourage or to challenge the people uh, that they would be people whose hearts were centered on the glory of God. All right, that they would be kingdom people. And that they would be ready and available to... Do what God wanted them to do, right? That they would be people whose heart was right and they would be in a position to be used by God. It was a pivotal part in his rule, a pivotal time. And I think this speaks to Creekside today in January of 2023, that this is kind of a pivotal time for us and our church as we look forward into 2023. 23. And you know, I'm confident that the elders of Creekside want us to be people whose hearts are centered on the glory of God. The elders want us, and we want to be kingdom people. You know, when we pray, you know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That when we pray that, when we say it, we mean it. This is what we really want, right? We are people related to God. He has first place in our life. And we're people that live, and like Dean uses his metaphor, is we live with our sails up, right? Because we're going to let God direct us. We're kingdom people we're listening and we're ready and we're waiting for God, not waiting, but we're ready for God to blow us in the direction that he wants us to go, all right? So this psalm speaks to this, I think, um, and uh, we read it before, so I'm not going to read it again, but there's three things that help me kind of see what's going on. 
And the first is that we ascribe to God the glory that is rightfully is. And the second point is that we sing about the glory of God. And the third point is that we live out the glory of our God, the glory of God in our life. So we ascribe glory to God, we sing about the glory of God, and we let the glory of God direct us as we live out our life. Okay? So in verse uh, 7 and 8, we see uh, David says, Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. There were a lot, you know, all the tribes are there. We have the peoples, we have the rulers, the families, the leaders. And he says, O families of people, all you different tribes and clans, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Give the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering, uh, come to his courts, and worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. Tremble before him, all the earth. Now, glory is not a word that we use a lot in our everyday life, right? I don't know when the last time you used that word outside of church, okay? Uh, we might go out somewhere and see, you know, a mountain or a view or a sunrise, and it might be, oh, it's glorious, right? And we say, well, I don't, yeah, that's yeah, pretty cool, right? I don't know exactly what that means when somebody says that, but it's pretty cool. But the word meant, means heavy, okay, weighty. It means significance. And so when somebody has glory, they have significance. They have dignity. They have honor, right? They are the greatest of all times, right, when someone has glory. Now some, you know, we may say, oh, he's got a little glory, but he's got a lot of glory, right? So that's a word we use today, goat. Y'all know that, or you got to be a young person to know that. He's the goat, right? I'm like, goat, that's not a great, but he's the greatest of all times. You know, so, you know, you think about, you know, I think about sports figures, Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, whatever, all right? But David's talking about the Lord, Yahweh, and he is the one true greatest of all times. There is no debate, all right? It's not between, you know, Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady. There's only one, and it is the Lord. It is God, Yahweh, our God. So glory is his worth, his significance, his weight, all right? And I think, I don't think, I, I think, I do think, that the scripture teaches us, okay, that glory, we need to think about glory in two different ways, God's glory in two different ways. The first is his eternal, creating, sustaining power, right? David says, the Lord, in verse 4, the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He's to be feared above all gods, all right? Uh, verse 5, the gods of the people are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. He is the creator, right? He is the sustainer. You know, and I, in uh, a chapter we know well, Isaiah chapter 40 
God says, to whom will you liken me? Right? Bring somebody up, all right, that's equal to me. Who shall I be, of whom shall I be equal? Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things, who brings out the host by number. He calls them by name, by the greatness of his might and the strength of his power. Not one of them is missing. We go out and look at the moon. We go out and look at the stars every night, night after night after night. Not one of them's missing. I made them. I put them there. I keep them there. So somebody stand up and show me that you can do this. Nobody has got more glory than, more power, more glory than God. So the first aspect of glory is power, creative, creating, sustaining power. And there's nobody like him. But there's another part about God that's very significant And that's his nature, who he is as a being, right? It's not just what he can do, it's who he is. Now, in... um, Before, as Moses was taking the children of Israel, led them out of Egypt into the promised land, they stop, and they're fixing to go on. And Moses says, you know... I need to know something about you. Show me your glory. I'm not going to go unless I see your glory. I know something about you. And so God says, okay, I'll do that, Moses. I'm going to make, I'm going to pass by you, and I'm going to declare my name, who I am, and I'm going to show you my glory. And he doesn't, like, do a trick. He doesn't, like, create something. And Moses is like, wow. That's so cool, you know. You think Michael Jordan, show me your, your stuff, Michael. He does a, you know, a, a slam dunk from the foul line, right? No, God says, look, he shows him who he is in an inner person. And he says, the Lord, he's merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth, forgiving. He practices and he practices Justice, justice, right? That's who he is, okay? His, he's, he cares. He shows goodness to his creation. He's not selfish. He's not capricious. He's not vindictive. He's not mean, right? He cares about his creation, and he wants to do good towards his creation. So when we think about the glory of God, We should think about his greatness, right, and his goodness. They go together. You know, and we're, we live, we're, we're, we live in a physical realm, right? We're physical people. We see stuff. We, you know, we taste stuff. We hear stuff, right? We go out and look. Uh, But remember, you know, Jesus told the woman at the well, God is spirit, and those that worship him should Worship him in spirit and in truth. So as we look at what he does, right, we can begin to understand some of who he is. Uh, And I think that's important for us, that we begin to see the goodness of God in 
creation. You know, and a new child coming into to life. What an amazing thing that is. You know, and you see this new baby and you know, it's life. And who is the giver and the sustainer of life? And what a blessing that is. It's not just an inanimate object. It's, some, it's, a, it's a human being that's living, that's been created by the giver of life. And so we begin to learn something about who God is by looking at what he's done. You know, and the scripture talks about that a little bit in John, the first chapter of John, where um, John says that the word Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us, right? And we saw his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So when we look at Jesus, we begin to see something about the nature of God. We know he can cre he's strong, and we know he's got power, but we begin to see Jesus, and we begin to see something about the character and the person of God. John goes on and says, and of this fullness, he's full of grace and truth, and of this fullness we have received grace upon grace. His goodness is given graciously, right? We don't earn it. We don't have to perform to get it. He just gives it graciously, right? Um, and then I'm having a mental block. The last chapter, he says, uh, no man has seen God at any time, right? But Jesus, he has declared him. So we understand something about the glory of God by looking at Jesus Christ. And David says, ascribe to the Lord. We know about glory, so we got glory, right? The goodness, the goodness, the greatness, and the goodness of God, who is in his strength and who is in his person, right? And David says, ascribe to the Lord. Now, ascribe, when's the last time you've used ascribe in your vocabulary, right? So, um, Anne's a pretty good cook. At least I like the way she is a good cook. I like the way she cooks, okay? But she's a good cook, so I ascribe to her. I attribute to her, okay, her ability as a cook, right? And so to ascribe means to attribute, to say, hey, we agree, we agree that God, you are the one true create, creator, all-powerful God that's full of goodness. We, us, we give you that glory, right? It's like, it's not Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes. We decide. It's one or the other. This is the one that we ascribe glory to. And we, David says, ascribe it to God, to Yahweh, because he is the one true God. And, you know, ascribing is not just lip service. It's not just like, yeah, we say it. But it's like we commit to it. David's saying, this is our God. 
The gods of the Gentiles are idols, but our God is the God of the universe, right? And we acknowledge that and we commit to it. We trust in him, right? We're not going to put our trust in something else because to do that would be ascribing glory to some, someone else, correct? If I, I'm, I know you get tired of football analogies, right? But if we say Tom Brady is the greatest of all time and we put our money on Patrick Mahomes, what are we saying? We're saying, well, really Patrick is, right? So we trust in Yahweh. And the problem that David was concerned about was idols. He was. He says it right here. The idols of the peoples, the gods of the peoples are idols, and Israel had an issue with idols. They did. They brought them out of Egypt, carried them with them, and they were just part of their culture, almost the whole existence, right, or the whole history. And so David was concerned, and we, honestly, we should be concerned too about ourselves. Now, I don't, I don't do you have an idol in your home? I don't have an idol, at least I don't think I do. Maybe my TV, I don't know, my computer, maybe my iPhone, you know. If you're an Apple guy, you know, if you're another guy, you got an Android or whatever. I don't know what they are, right? But idolatry, you know, in Ezekiel, the prophet is be careful with what's going on in your heart because people raise up idols in their heart. And an idol... A heart idol is something that I give extreme value to and something that I really trust in more than I truly trust in God. It might be my job, right? It might be my family. You know, without my family, where would I be? It might be my grandkids. I might worship my grandkids to be truthful, Um, Whatever it might be, relationships, you know, we give strength and glory to man-made things. We do, if we're honest with it. An institution, the government, right, Uh, the banking system, my retirement, whatever it might be, my family. Um, We need to be careful doing that. Jesus says, talking about money, what did he say? A man, you can't serve God and money at the same time. You're going to love one and hate the other, you know, serve one or whatever the other, I forget, right? Be careful. That's what he's saying, and we should be careful ourselves. So, you know, it's a challenge for us, each one of us here and us as a church. Is there something that we are relying on that drives us, that scares us if we're going to lose it? More than God. Is our heart centered on the greatness and the goodness of God? God the Father. You know, David knew if there's anything that we're relying upon other than God, we are not in a safe place, right? If we're relying on the ability of the preacher, if we're relying on money that we have stored up somewhere, if we're relying on this 
cool worship guy we got. And he's pretty cool, by the way. All right, pretty talented. He is. We're in trouble because they just might like, fine, here's my two weeks notice. So we need to be people who know who the greatest of all time is, know we have a relationship, and rely completely on him. So the next thing is to sing about the glory of God. He starts off with it. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing, proclaim, declare. You know, music is important. And music has a way of getting into our hearts, right? Have you ever had a song in your mind, you just can't get it out, right? It has a way of getting inside of us, right? And music, so, it, and it centers us, right? And it also has a way of, like, uh, connecting us to something beyond ourselves, also right so it's we sing and it brings God in and we sing and it reinforces God in our hearts at the same time right so music is important and this this is you might think Alan but this is this is it was challenging to me because sometimes I think God's spirit you know what comes out of my mouth is physical. It's not that important. So if I don't sing, what's the big deal, right? You know, my heart's right. Like, Alan, your heart isn't right. Or you would be singing. You know, why are you not singing? Singing is important. It is. And singing about the glory of God, you know, it's, it brings us together. S music brings us together helps join us together, and it helps join us to a bigger something outside of us too. And let me explain. In Albania, there's traditional music. Right? And there's different things. But if you, if I would, I may have told you this before, but it's true. If we were to start playing, you know, out in the street, in the mall, some of this Albanian music, the next thing you know, people will be dancing, right? They will. And we dance and we hold hands and we dance because we're Albanian. And this is our music. And this is what we do. This is my brother. This is my sister. These are my people. That music represents my country. And it stirred me up. So I dance. Right? Music has a way of doing that to us, right or wrong, when you think about it. And so as we, we there's a song that we sing, we, we sing it here every once in a while. Uh, I don't even know the name of it, Cornerstone. I, dun, 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 You know what I'm talking about? All right, that, huh? It could, yeah, and when I hear it, it's our, our, it was kind of like the anthem of our church, and when we sang it, you know, it, it stirred us up, and I love that song. Even when I hear it today, it makes me think about my friends over there, right, and 
you know, David, maybe we should create an anthem for us, something just that we've adopted and we sing it, we know what it means, and we remember that we sang that here. I don't know. But music has a way of doing that. And David, he wrote the Psalms. He wants to sing about the glory of God. You know, Ephesians 5 talks about this. Just a minute. Uh, it says briefly, it talks briefly. It says, um, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. It helps bring us together. It helps center our heart to the glory of God. It helps connect us to God who's outside of us. So singing's important, Alan. You know, if I could take me to a mirror, it's important, you know. And the glory of God. So we sing about the glory of God. We give God glory. We sing about it. And we rejoice. We live out the glory of God with rejoicing. All right? Um, Verse 10, he says, Say among the nations, the Lord reigns, the earth is fully established, it shall not be moved. He shall judge the peoples righteously. Let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad, let the sea roar in all its fullness, let the field be joyful and all that is in it and all the trees. There's going to be a lot of noise in the woodlands, right? We'll rejoice before the Lord because he's coming and he is coming to judge the earth and he'll judge the earth with righteousness and the peoples with truth. This is a very positive psalm. It's very positive. Sing, proclaim, declare, ascribe, right? Rejoice. It's a very positive psalm. But when we look out at the world around us, it's not so cool out there. There's a lot that's negative out there. And so we live in a context that's not so positive. And I think it helps us to understand that what's going on, just before I say that, you know, we think about me. I I can't get the Ukraine out of my mind, right? And people over there just being bombed. They're just, I was just here. I was just sitting around working, raising my kids, making breakfast, cooking meals, stuff like that. And now you're launching bombs at me. I did nothing. You two guys over there having this huge fight, and I'm the one paying the cost. Uh, life's, why? You know, and all the turmoil that's going on in the States, you know, the division, right? And the arguing with each other, and the casting blame, and the judgment, and stuff like that is just not nice. But that's the world that we live in. And it's helpful for us to understand that's because... People have turned away from the glory of God. Paul talks about it in Romans. I think Paul knew Psalm 96 when he wrote Romans. Uh, 
You know, he says that people, even though they knew God, they knew things about him, right? They denied his power and they denied his divine being, right? He said they became haters of God. The world's turned away from the glory of God. And what happens in our society, right? Number one, God doesn't exist. We've got a lot of people that around here, you know, there's no God, right? Which is a sad state of affairs. And, but if he does exist, I don't really care. I don't want anything to do with him. Don't be talking to me about your God. Uh, or maybe he does exist, and I do care, but this guy Jesus, nah. uh I'm having nothing to do with Jesus. He is not the son of God. He might be a cool guy, but he is not the son of God. We hear that a lot if we just pay attention. Or God exists. Jesus is the son of God. I care, but what's really important is my happiness, is my glory, right, that I'm taken care of. That's what's really important. That's the society that we live in. And Paul says when that happens, nothing but evil. Nothing but turmoil. Um, But David says, right, that in the coming kingdom, when God comes, he's going to judge the world righteously. And justice will prevail. So he's encouraging Israel to be forward-looking people, right, to understand that what's going on around me is because people have denied or do not give God the glory that he is due. Either saying, no, he doesn't exist, or they're taking God and trying to contain him in some kind of idol or in some kind of institution, but he's not surely up there, right? But when he comes, that's all going to be undone. And nature understands this. Listen to, listen to what David says. And he says, God's going to come, let the Lord reigns, okay? The earth is firmly established. It will not be moved. I don't know about you. I worry about my grandkids sometimes. I can make it through, you know, maybe the next 10 years if I get 10 or 12 years. I don't know. Maybe I can make it. But I worry about what the world's going to be like for my grandkids. Right? But no matter how bad it gets, God's sovereignty will not be impacted, not one iota. And when you look at the creations, you see that. It will not be Move. Now, nature, he says, let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar in all its fullness. Let the field be joyful. Nature gets it. Right? Nature's living in the light of the glory of God. Now, Paul says creation groans until we, you know, the redemption or until we experience the, uh, let me read it, it's a little bit better if I read it. Um, He says, the earnest 
he says, I don't consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. All right. For the earnest expectation of creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Okay. The creation is waiting to be released from the restraints that are on it, from the bondage. And it's just saying, I'll be so glad when Jesus comes back. I'll be so glad when God's people, the glory of God is revealed to them because then it's like it's going to be amazing. And I just can't wait. That's what the trees are saying. I know who I belong to. And I can maybe see this better than you can, Alan. It's going to be amazing. You know, Job says that all this stuff, the lightning, all the creation, not just the lightning, but the creation, the way God organized everything, it's just the edges of his ways. All we're seeing is just, he's got this whole tapestry out there, and we're just seeing just the edge of it. And I think creation kind of gets, gets it more than we do, and that's what David is hinting at here. And he's encouraging his people to live into that. All right? So, um, Paul writes in Romans, he says, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, right, we are being made right with God through our faith in Jesus Christ. We have peace with him through Jesus Christ. And through him we've obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So I've talked for 40 minutes about this, and Paul in three lines summed up the whole thing. Because we have a relationship with God, because of the salvation that God has given to us, we can rejoice in the hope of the coming glory. All right. So the challenge for us today is to ascribe to God, to give to God, uh, and to him alone the ultimate glory, to acknowledge that he is God, he's in charge. And to sing about it, right? To talk about it. To, to let it be part of what binds us together. And to rejoice in the hope of seeing this, to begin to see this some. And we live with our sails up, right? In the beginning of the Psalm 96, David says, uh, Sing to the Lord a new song, sing, bless his name, proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day, declare among the nations his glory and his wonders among the people. God has a plan. He had a plan for Israel. And David at that point, 
probably couldn't say exactly what it was going to look like, but it involved people outside of them, right? God's got a plan for Creekside Bible Church. And, you know, Dean said this a couple of Sundays ago or when we had our last meet, talk to the elders meeting. Some of the things that God's given us, we didn't expect at all. Being able to help folks in Kenya, that just happened, right? And so we can be people who are kingdom people, relying 100% on God, right? Giving him the glory that he's due, ready to see what he has for us, right, as we move forward into 2023. Okay, so I hope that if you read this again, maybe you can think about some of these things. It was good for me to study it, and uh, I hope that uh, God uses it in your life too. Let me pray for us, okay? Lord God, thanks that you have saved us. Thanks that you have shown us your glory in the person of Christ, manifested in in an ultimate way through the cross and the resurrection. Lord, help us to be people at Creekside that are ready to listen, Lord, that live ready to be used. Father, help us to focus on you, to rely upon you, to put you first, not to create any idols above you, Father, no matter what they might be. Help us, Lord, because we are weak and we live in a society that doesn't give you glory. But we want to, Lord. And I would ask in my life, in Anne's life, our family, in Creekside, all of our friends here, Lord, that you would increase our joy, Father. Help us to rejoice in knowing that you're in control, your kingdom's never in trouble, and one day we're going to experience something far beyond our wildest dreams. We get to experience your goodness. So I pray again for PACN that you would bless them in their work this year, Lord, as they help take care of vulnerable folks, extremely vulnerable folks. Father, bless them and use them. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay.